Good afternoon and welcome to AWR 360 Health Live Medical Mondays. It's really good to be with you once again for another edition of this program. Uh, Dr. Leela Lewis, our director for AWR 360 Health, is with me as always, coming live from Phoenix, Arizona. Dr. Leela, how are you doing? Hello, Pastor Kyle. It's good to be back with you again today. I'm sure it's, uh, I've heard it's sunny and hot out in the West Coast. It's sunny and wonderful out in the West Coast. I do like the heat. And don't forget, we've talked a lot about the benefits of heat. So I would dare say the West Coast is the place to be. <laughs> so get out and enjoy the sun wherever you are. Here in Michigan, we've had some good sunshine as well, doctor. So um, I think I've been enjoying that myself. But uh, we want to thank everyone for joining us, all of you joining us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, just a quick reminder that we have lots of good content from past programs on our YouTube channel, Adventist World Radio. You can go and check out all those programs there, as well as the ones from Sunday night. Dr. Leela, just last night, you had another symposium, I think, last, uh, last night, and uh, people can also check that out, right? That's right. So last night was the fourth of our four-part symposium, but we will be having question and answer session this coming Sunday night. So for those of you who want to get your questions answered, definitely attend. All right. And by the way, guys, as you're listening today, feel free to send in your questions. We're going to have some Q&A at the end of the program um, with Dr. Leela and our special guest, whom she will introduce in just a moment. But feel free to ask your questions, and we'll try to get to as many of them as we can before the end of the show today. Well, before we get to our topic, which it's a very interesting topic, very interesting, Dr. Leela. Today's topic, sleep and self-restraint, keys to reopening the globe. But before we do that, let's invite God's presence to be with us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today, and thank you for everyone who's joining us uh, around the world. I pray that as we talk about this subject of uh, self-restraint and sleep and how we can continue to thrive during this COVID-19 crisis, that you would be with us and help us to gain insights from medical science and from your word on how we can live happier and healthier during this time. Thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Dr. Leela, um, a lot's been happening. You know, as we go through these weeks of, uh, of being at home, of self-isolation, of stay-at-home orders, a lot's been changing. Some places have opened up even this week. Now we're into the month of May, and we start to see states opening up, different countries are opening up. What are some of the implications of this as we're moving forward? Well, I mean, it's all over the news every day, every minute of every day. It doesn't matter what news station you go to. The question is, how are we going to reopen the globe? Um, and what is the effect going to be as far as COVID-19 cases? Obviously, we know that just by common sense, that if we decrease our self-isolation or our quarantine or whatever word you want to utilize, it increases the risk that we're going to be exposed to it. Correct. And that's why the CDC, the head of the CDC, has warned us that the second wave could be bigger than what we've already encountered. In fact, I heard President Trump just yesterday announced that, like I guess it was last night, that the estimated number of fatalities by August is going to be significantly higher than what they originally thought just a week or so ago. So clearly, we are looking at that as a balancing effect. But on the other side, we have other issues. Obviously, this isolation, social distancing, etc., it's resulted in loneliness, loss of money, jobs that can cause increased depression poor health, it's caused us to, in some ways, self-medicate 
We've turned to things that we necessarily have done before in such a high amount and all of which have, you know, have negatively affected us. And we're seeing an increase in anxiety, depression, and many of the mental health issues. So there are multiple things to weigh the balance as we're looking at how, how to reopen the globe. But the biggest thing that I think is the most important, and that's what the CDC head of the CDC stated. He said, you know what? Between now and the fall, when is this suspected possible resurgence or second wave, if you will, we need to be improving our health. We need to be taking this opportunity to take into consideration the things that we've been going over over the last few weeks, take them to heart, put them into practice and improve our health. And I think that's why this show is so timely. You know, Pastor Kyle, have we not been learning some of these principles over the last few weeks? We have. And that's a really good point. Thank you, Dr. Leela. I just wanted to remind everyone of our little, well, it's an acronym. And uh, it's it's coming from the verse from Scripture, Matthew eleven twenty eight, right? Which Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so that acronym, Dr. Leela? Want rest. I want rest from COVID-19, from fear of COVID-19. I want rest from, if you will, disease in general, sadness, right? loneliness. And that stands for water. We've talked about as far as water, we talked about particularly external water, hydrothermal therapy. We talked about- Which I've been doing, by the way, every day. That's wonderful. Good for you. <laughs> Um, we also talked about the second week ultraviolet radiation or sunlight, right? And we talked about as well, open space or fresh air, the A of want rest. And again, both of those are immune improving or optimizing ways of improving our immune function, specifically with our innate immunity and our monocytes. We talked last week about nutrition and exercise, the N and the E of want mm -hmm. rest. And again, both of which, if done properly, significantly improve our immune function. We can optimize our health. So let's just run through those real quick. So that's water, oh, A yeah. for air, okay, N for nutrition, T for something we're going to talk about today. And it stands for temperance, which is an old term for what we're referring to as self-restraint. I cannot wait to talk about that one. Rest, we're going to talk about that today as well. We talked about E for exercise, S for sunshine or ultraviolet radiation, and T for trust in God, which we've continued to talk about night after night, but today and day after day. But today we're going to specifically be looking at in relation to, again, to self-restraint. So I think we are at a timely point when we can take these things into consideration, put them into practice, and truly improve our health. Yeah, I, I, it's it's been a blessing for me, Dr. Leela, even being on these programs and trying to implement these very practical things, like you said, you know, getting um, getting those the water, the the hydrothermal therapy, getting the sunlight, getting the fresh air, trying to get exercise. All those things are really, really helpful. Now, Pastor Kyle, we have a good friend, Dr. Zeno Charles Marcel, who's going to be joining us. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking specifically about. We're going to be talking specifically about the ways that sleep can benefit our immune function. All right. Dr. Zeno. Good to see you, Dr. Zeno. Hello, hello. How are you guys doing? Well, Very good. Thank you for joining us. So um, we've been talking a little bit last night. We talked about some of the benefits of sleep. And before we do that, 
Dr. Daniel, you pointed out something last night that I thought was very profound. We just talked about many of these lifestyle principles that we've been implementing or beginning to implement as we've addressed them on our shows. And you, you pointed out, you said, if a little, you asked the question, if a little is good, is a lot better? Could you just very briefly address that? I think that's a really good point as we're looking at these lifestyle principles. Just because I take a little bit, does that mean I need to just go gung-ho and take a lot? All right. Well, you know, for, for uh, the way the body responds to chemicals, uh, that is, it has more of a linear uh, kind of relationship so that the, the, the idea is that the more that you do, then the, the greater the effect that it will have. Well, this is an intuitive idea. And uh, when we actually study how the body works, it isn't exactly quite like that. Because for many of the processes that we have, a little may not do very much. Then you get to a period where you are actually getting a good response. But then if you continue to increase whatever that uh, stimulus might be, you may actually do something that's detrimental to you. So, uh, so the idea is that uh, for many of our biological systems, we have just this sweet spot. We have, we have this uh, optimal range in which things do very well, and outside of that, things deteriorate in one way or another. So we look at optimizing uh, things and not overdoing or underdoing. Now, while that is so for most of our biological systems, it does not exactly function the same way in every aspect of life. Uh, you know, I love my wife, and I'm sure she would say, the more love I have for her, the better that is. Okay? <laughs> so then, there's no downside uh, to some of, of the things, especially when we're dealing with uh, some of the, uh, of the more deep issues of life, as uh, Dr. Nedley and Dr. Schwelt and others uh, pointed out last night. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Zeno. So uh, we're going to start by talking a little bit about sleep. Um, there is an optimal amount for sleep, according to the research. And we, uh, right now, we're, we're, many of us are facing challenges with sleep. And mm -hmm. there's a reason for that. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons is we're nervous, okay? As a society and a community, we're nervous. And so what are we doing by, by essence? We're staying up later. We're spending a lot of time on these devices, on our screens, on our television. We're watching the news constantly thinking about, oh dear, how is this going to affect me, my family, my job, my work, etc." We're having increased blue light exposure, all of which are increasing our adrenaline. And unfortunately, it's kind of being compounded by many of the by fact that many of us are at home, our work schedule, school schedule relationship is off. And so we're tending to go to bed later and we're tending to get up later. And so our circadian rhythms are getting a little affected. Dr. Zeno, um, can you tell us very briefly about the normal circadian rhythm? When would be the best time for us to go to sleep? And when would be the best time for us to be getting up, if you will? Okay. Well, there's the old adage that actually turns out to be true and supported by the current science. And that is early to bed, early to rise. It makes a poor man, what? Healthy, healthy, healthy and wise. Okay. <laughs> well, as it turns out, uh, going to bed uh, well before midnight 
and waking up early in the morning when the sun is uh, about to, to, to rise, this provides uh, what might be considered the optimum uh, situation for the cycle of our hormones in our circadian rhythm. So when we wake up in the morning and the sun is coming up, this actually resets our circadian clock and the hormones that need to be diminished become diminished and the hormones that need to be elevated, they become elevated. Some of them are actually activated by exposure to the sunshine, okay? Uh, other things that will help with our circadian rhythm include uh, the, uh, our eating schedule because eating also uh, affects this. And, uh, and that probably is, is why some, sometimes uh, what the research shows is that if we take long naps during the day, it can disrupt things. So long naps, we're talking about an hour or more during the day, actually has some detrimental effects to us, even though short naps of about 30 minutes may actually be health benefit, uh, beneficial for our health, yes. And I, I was just reading that, uh, Dr. Zeno, about the short naps, the little siestas, you know, in the um, South American and Hispanic um, partners and friends. And the uh, Mediterranean as well. A, exactly, often have a little a siesta. And actually it significantly improves if you're behind or you're deficient in your regular sleep pattern, although we wouldn't necessarily advocate for that, but if for one reason or another, for example, I'm an obstetrician and gynecologist, and so my nursing mommies, and as a mommy myself, babies don't necessarily eat right when you want them to eat at five or six o'clock in the morning. They're going to be eating all night long, right? And so um, so mommies are, are, by essence, quite sleep deprived. And so that's why one of the reasons that we advise mommies, well, when baby takes a nap, take a short nap with baby too because it, it does benefit you and it does help your immune system. It actually, there's studies to actually show that some of the detriments of the, of the uh, decrease in the monocytes that you lose when they have a regular sleep cycle, you can actually get that back by your short siestas. Pastor Kyle, you had something to say. Just a quick question. I, well, first of all, um, we had a question up on the screen. If any of you are watching and you'd like to share with us how your sleep has been over the last few months, send us a comment, let us know, and uh, we'd like to hear from you. But I had a question for you, Dr. Leela and Dr. Zeno. Um, you know, some people say, and I'll be, can I be honest? Can we be real here on this program? Um, I struggle with sleep and I struggle with getting to bed before midnight. I'm just being really honest with you guys. Okay. So, but really some people have a, a very serious question. And that is uh, they call themselves night owls and it's hard for them to get that pre midnight sleep that you were talking about. Dr. Zeno getting up early. Um, is that, a thing? Are, are they okay? Or should everybody aim for trying to readjust their clock to go to bed early? Do, do you guys get what I'm asking? Because I think yes, a lot of people yes. are in that boat. Well, you say a lot of people are in that boat. Uh, much of much of it is because we have developed cultural and, and other habits. And so it's a pattern that we have. But in reality, there are some people, it's a small number of people, we're looking at less than 15% of the population are actually like these night owls, okay? But it can't be 50% of the population because that's just not true. It's just how people have, have done things. Uh, if we go back in time, before we had all of the electronic gadgets and all of the amount of electricity and whatnot to have lights, uh, we need to recognize that uh, 100 years ago, uh, people... They went to bed when the lights went out. They would have some candles or something that uh, would help them to, to be able to see. 
uh, at night. But basically, if you didn't have electricity, the lights went, when the sun went down, you went to bed and you woke up when the sun was coming back up the next day. So this was the cycle that, that uh, humanity has undergone for centuries hmm. until uh, now we have the ability to change night into day because hmm. of the amount of energy and, uh, and harnessing that energy to be able to produce all of the gadgets, including uh, the light bulbs. So, yes, there are people who actually do better at night. That's a small percentage of individuals. But everybody is not in that boat. Most people have learned how to do this. They have uh, accustomed themselves because of the other things that they want to do. Uh, and therefore, they can learn how to go to bed earlier. And all you have to do is to put somebody in a situation in which there's nothing else to do but to go to sleep, and you'll find that they will get adjusted to that very well. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, you know, the other thing, too, is we, we talked about naps. Um, for people who have insomnia, uh, we would recommend against naps. Stay as absolute busy as you possibly can. Um, and the same thing goes as you're trying to switch your schedule. I know, Kyle, because I've done it. I've gone... I've gone both directions in, okay. in medical school. Oh, yes. In medical school, I, I thought for a while, you know what? I'm just going to push the limit. I'm going to go and I'm going to study until 2 o'clock in the morning so that I can just make sure I know everything for that exam for tomorrow. And what I found was, and interestingly enough, if you didn't get to watch the, the show last night, I would recommend people go ahead and watch that because the studies actually show, as Dr. Nedley pointed out, actually, I think it was Dr. Schwelt. Dr. Schwelt pointed out that students, medical students, who wait till the night before and then try to put all the information into their head, they're not putting that information into the long-term memory. And, and, it, and that's what I found, practically speaking. I found myself reviewing all my information, but it really wasn't going anywhere. And so finally, by the end of my first quarter of freshman year, I'm like, forget this. I'm going to go to bed by 10 o'clock at night. The night before my test, I'm going to study well up until that point. I'm going to go to bed at 10 and I'm going to get up at five and I'm going to review everything. And then I'm going to go take my test. And so I, I changed my sleep habits. It took a little bit of time. It took a change in my mentality, but I did. And so I'm just speaking as one person, but Testimony. I'm also as a physician. Um, and I think I have my physician colleague, Dr. Zeno, who would support me in this. You can change your sleep cycle. It will take a little bit of effort. It will take, oh, the topic of today, self-restraint. So there's hope you're saying for those that are hope. listening and struggling. Yes. Amen. Amen. And Thank Dr. you for that Zeno, hope. He's saying, trying uh, to share something with us. Dr. Zeno, you're muted. I was going to say something that was not shared last night. It goes even beyond just the intellectual uh, capability being improved by, by getting sleep. The physical functioning also improves. They've done studies with uh, people who are learning a new skill. This is a manual skill, like a musical. They're learning a musical instrument, and they're learning how to do a particular maneuver. Hmm. If after they have done the maneuver, they go to sleep, when they wake up, they will do better at that maneuver than if they had stayed up during that time and got wow. sleep afterwards. Wow. So wow. almost almost for any kind of significant learning that we want to do, sleep is actually very important in being able to consolidate that learning into something that we can use later on. Fascinating. 
And, you know, coming back to the, of course, we're talking about sleep in relation to COVID-19, specifically to viral interest uh, in um, situations. So what's fascinating is that sleep, proper sleep, improves our monocyte production, our innate immunity. But it's not just the innate immunity. There was a study that actually showed that the flu vaccine was not as effective. In other words, adapted or our body making antibodies to things was not as effective in people who had poor sleep habits. So again, the immune system, and that's just one little tidbit of a study. For more information, for more research, again, refer to last night's program. But um, but thank you. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Well, so, I know that, I, sorry, Dr. Lee, I was gonna add that I know that whenever I do violate those laws of sleep, I often wake up with a sore throat. It's almost like clockwork. Hmm. So. Those of you out there that are struggling, just want to give you some hope that there is hope. Um, Dr. Leela shared her testimony. I hope to share a testimony too one day. And um, I, I know that whatever your struggle is, God is able to help you. And all of us could benefit from getting a little bit earlier into bed. So yes. and, and the practical issue is we're looking at six to eight hours of sleep, oh, seven to eight hours of sleep. That's what we're talking about, right? To the, for the most part, uninterrupted sleep in darkness. Mm. Uh, the, the quality of sleep is improved, and especially for those first uh, few hours of sleep, this is where you, you actually have the sweet sleep, the sweetest sleep is mm. in those first few hours, and uh, that happens to coincide with the time just after the sun goes down. So now, there, there is one other thing, Dr. Zeno, I was just thinking of when you said that, those early hours of sleep. You know, in that book that we offered last week, Ministry of Healing, that was written some time ago. And of course we've been comparing to the 1918 pandemic and to the current COVID-19 situation. And what we found, which was so interesting, that in that book, it talks about that the hours before midnight for sleep are worth twice the benefit to health, if you will, as those hours after midnight. Wow. And wow. now, Dr. Zeno, can you tell us, is that scientifically supported? Yes, it's scientifically supported. And, uh, and uh, Roger did a good job uh, discussing that last night. Uh, the, the, the issue is that we have this circadian cycle and, this, and uh, is actually linked to what's going on with uh, what's happening in the environment. Uh, no one would consider it a... Uh, a problem, so to speak, if we talk about other kinds of cycles that we have in our bodies. Uh, we have a cycle for uh, for menstruation, for instance, that happens every 28 days, more or less, in, in, in women. We, we know that these things happen. Well, the same thing is actually happening in us with different hormones that are cycling up and down over the course of the day, up and down over the course of hours, etc. Hmm. And so uh, what we what we do to uh, on the outside actually influences what's going on on the inside and vice versa. And to have those two things in sync actually produces the optimal situation. Not too much, not too little in this case, uh, just right. Because people who sleep more than nine hours a night, they also have uh, an increased risk of other things like diabetes and uh, and even some issues with regard to uh, heart disease, etc. So it's it's getting the right amount. Uh, we're not saying that you have to stay in bed all day, 
sleeping a little bit longer because you've had a hard night, etc. This is normal. It's a normal pattern. But uh, to sleep long or to sleep too short, both of them can be problematic. Thank you so much, Dr. Zeno. Well, you know, Pastor Kyle, we want to talk about some other things that, you know, are affecting us as we face these issues of social distancing or isolation. Again, we've talked about sleep habits being affected. We've talked about uh, ways that people are, if you will, self-medicating, um, choosing to do things, to take things into their body, to take away maybe the sadness, the depression, the worry about how they're going to pay for their bills, how they're going to take care of their kids when they're trying to work at home and the kids are at home. So let's talk a little bit about self-restraint. Um, let's let's go into that, if that's okay with you. Uh, that sounds good. I mean, I think a lot of people are struggling right now, Dr. Leela. Dr. Zeno, a lot of people are, are at home, like you said, Almost, almost 30 million Americans have lost their jobs in the last few weeks, and so they're there's a you know they're self-medicating a lot. Whether it's binge watching on Netflix or maybe some people are drinking or doing different things. So yeah, we should let's talk about this. I think it's very relevant. So I think before we start with self-restraint, I think it's important as we talked about at the beginning. We talked about what the um, the word that the acronym that we're using in the past again that the old terminology was temperance. But we're using the name self-restraint here. So one of the things that we want to talk about, one of these, if you will, self-medication that people are tending to go to right now is alcohol. Mm. Um, it's surprising to see that, again, you know, it's, it's corresponding with the emotional and mental uh, effects that we're seeing in society, but people are turning to alcohol. In fact, there's a significant increase incidence the first week of the um, isolation protocols, if you will, the surgeons of people drinking alcohol, actually liquor um, purchases significantly went up. So what does alcohol do? Is it really detrimental to the immune system? I guess that's the first question that we need to address. So Pastor Kyle, what would you guess? Would you think it's probably detrimental to the immune system or do you well, think it's probably you know, I was I I was just actually just the other day I was reading some of the Bible verses that talk about alcohol, like in Proverbs, and it's interesting how the Bible is constantly telling you or giving us wisdom counsel on avoiding alcohol uh, for various reasons, in terms of good judgment, in terms of preserving health. So my guess is my guess would be an answer to your question based on what I've read in the Bible that it is going to impair our ability to fight off disease. Is that right? In fact, it does. Um, let's uh, let's look at that very briefly here. So specifically, binge drinking. Binge okay. drinking is where you drink a sort of a a larger amount of alcohol um, in a shorter period of time, and it does definitely affect the immune system. I believe um, Dr. Zeno actually is uh, ready and, and available to answer one of these questions. But something that we need to, to think about is that there's a lot of, you know, sometimes people think, oh, well, a glass of wine is good for the heart. Is it not a glass of wine is good for the immune system? Well, there was a study I just saw that in as little as one to two drinks a day, it could have negative immune effects. Okay, as we're fighting, as we're dealing with this COVID-19 crisis, Dr. Zeno, can you comment on that for us, please? Yes. Um, you know, a lot of people think that alcohol is a stimulant. Uh, it is not. It's actually a depressant. 
Mm. And what it does is it it favors depressing the inhibitory uh, parts of our of our being. In other words, we're less able to say no. Okay, and the same thing is what's going on uh, physiologically with us in our in our uh, uh, our immune systems. We're actually inhibiting our immune system with alcohol. Um, many people are are aware that people who who imbibe a lot uh, tend to have more infections. They have tend to have more time off from work because of infections. And this is because of the depressant effect of alcohol on the immune system. And that, that goes directly along with, you know, we've spent a lot of time over the last few weeks, both with Dr. Zeno, Pastor Kyle, myself, we've talked about the microbiome, if you will, yeah. the gut, um, or the gut-associated lymphatic tissue, the largest immune organ of the body. And this large immune organ of the body has these ACE2 receptors, which we've talked a lot about in the relationship to COVID-19. This is the receptor that's affected in this SARS-CoV-2. Well, when we take alcohol into our digestive tract, it affects this microbiome, normal bacteria, normal for it actually, not only does it damage the epithelial, the inside lining of the gut, but it, by damaging it and changing the healthy flora, we talked about that, the healthy the flowers, little flowers right? of, the, of the gut, it does both of those things and it makes it more likely that these viruses or in, the, you know, in other cases, bacteria can be taken up into the circulation, into the blood circulation, and then cause us to get various diseases or in this case, increase our risk of, of COVID-19. Dr. Zeno, do you have any comments about that? No, I think, I think you described it uh, correctly. Again, it's this, this depressant effect and selective depression uh, that alcohol has. Can, can I ask a quick question uh, to both of you uh, doctors? So a lot of people, you know, say, well, you know, if I have one drink, I'm not going to get drunk. It's not really going to affect me that much. But what I'm hearing you say or maybe what I'm, I'm asking you now is, is that one drink? Uh, that sounds like it can affect me right away. And it, I mean, if let, I'm drinking that alcohol. Let, let me, let me um, point out a couple of things. You know, some years ago, this was back in the 1990s, uh, when the idea was uh, being tossed around to save the alcohol industry by... Um, by responsible drinking. You remember that? I don't know if you guys were alive well, at that time. <laughs> I was. <laughs> but there was a movement for responsible drinking uh, because, uh, well, th that was the political uh, football at the time, okay? Well, there was a, a, a liquor company, a, a very uh, well-known uh, kind of Scotch whiskey. I'm not going to call the name. Uh, they ran an ad in the Philadelphia Inquirer. I was living in Pennsylvania at the time. That's why I saw the Philadelphia Inquirer. And it was coming close to Christmas. This was uh, like in 1993. And uh, they had the ad, and they were talking about responsible drinking. And the ad showed the, the signature of somebody going to an office party. They showed you the signature when he went to the party, the signature after one drink, after two drinks, and after three drinks. Okay? And... As you looked at this thing, you saw the deterioration of the signature, right? Wow. Obviously, by the time he had had three drinks, this person in particular, uh, his signature was nothing like the first one. But as I looked at this, I realized 
the difference between when he had nothing to drink and the first drink, there was already a noticeable difference. This is just one drink, okay? Now, if it will show itself in, in your signature, you know that it's affecting other things as well. Mm. And here is what the research shows. The research shows that just with one drink, you actually change your ability to discern. Your judgment becomes impaired. Even before your physical ability, uh, your musculoskeletal ability, this lags behind. Your judgment is the first thing that's impaired. And that's the problem. I want to have good judgment. I want to be, be able to make good decisions. And I want to be in control of the situations that I have control over and I should have control over, as opposed to relinquishing that to the bottle or to the can. And that goes right along with what we're talking about today, self-restraint. You know, what Dr. Zeno is saying is one drink affects our frontal lobe. It can affect our frontal lobe, I should say. And thereby, we're not able to make good choices. And of course, you, you brought up the Bible. It says, you know, Solomon says, Lemuel is not for kings and princes to have strong drink lest you take it in and you can't discern for what is right and what is wrong. So as we're choosing to have good self-restraint, to be able to make healthy choices, to be able to follow the nutritional principles that we've talked about that are immuno-optimizing agents, if we're choosing to follow hydrothermal therapy and water treatments and not just external but internal we're choosing to walk we're choosing to exercise we're choosing to get fresh air we're choosing to follow these principles we want to be able to make those choices by having a clear i think a clear frontal lobe and have good self-restraint or self-control so that that's a perfect example thank you so much dr zeno yes, now there's one sorry go ahead sir yeah i was just going to say uh, one other thing uh, you, you cannot have too much self-control Okay, and, and that's something that uh, Dr. Nedley brought up uh, last night. You can't have too much. This this does not follow the balance issue of you know too much and too little. No, you can't have too much self control. Your self control actually is uh, the the ultimate barometer, and therefore to have self control in a comprehensive way in in all aspects of our life, this is something that's important, and. You know, some people would think, well, you know, you guys are talking about religious principles or, or so on. I, I would say anyone who is interested in this, just go to the Internet, go to Wikipedia or whatever, type in self-control and be amazed at what is being said there about this very, very important issue that is linked to many of the things, many of the preventable things that uh, we have in this life. It's because we're not uh, able to control ourselves and, we, and we're not uh, tapping into the source of, uh, of controlling. Okay. Anyway, I've got to go. Thank yes. you, Dr. Zeno. We appreciate all of your input. It's, it's phenomenal. Thank, Thank you, you, Dr. Zeno. Amazing partner with us there at the head of the General Conference of the World Church for Seventh-day Adventist Health Department. So again, thank you so much. We appreciate your participation. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Thank you. Dr. Leela, um, as, as we move on, I have a question for you. Just one more question about the alcohol, because I know some people may be watching today and they might be struggling with this. Um, maybe it's just a little bit. Maybe they're just having a drink or two. Maybe there's some people that are really struggling. Um, what, 
what counsel would you give that person? What hope, where should they turn? I know that maybe it's a bigger topic than what we can cover here, but just maybe a word to that person that may be struggling. Well, first of all, um, we all have addictions, correct? We, we all have things that we tend to self-medicate with, and particularly in our situation, whether it's food, whether it's um, social, you know, uh, different social relationships that probably aren't as good as, we, as they should be, um, reading things, watching things, doing things, drinking things in this case. So I guess the first point that I would make is don't feel like you're alone. Okay, you have, uh, we all have tendencies to, to problems, quite frankly, to sin. Uh, we live in a sinful world. So first of all, I would say be encouraged. The very fact that you're thinking about it is a good sign. Second of all, um, make a decision. Make a conscious decision that you want to choose self-control or self-restraint. And then once you make that decision, and God, by the way, gives you the ability to make that decision. We can't even make the decision on our own. But once you make that decision, expect and plan and pray and read for God to give you the grace to follow through on that decision. And then don't be afraid to ask for help. There are a lot. We don't have time to get into all the different programs, but there is a program through we are members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And for, of course, Adventist World Radio is part of the global Seventh-day Adventist Church. We have programs on addiction, specifically on alcohol recovery, which are amazing programs. And we can put some of those links up on our awr.org forward slash health um, for, for those of you who are interested. But that would be probably the first two, three steps, I would say. But most importantly, make a decision. And, and then by God's grace, stick to that decision. And he will help you overcome and then again, follow the appropriate counsel of your physician, especially if it's alcohol addiction um, and you happen to be an alcoholic, it, it, you need to be very careful. Um, there is some complications and medical complications. So you need to do that under the guidance of a physician specifically, but God will give you the grace to do it. Now, I do wanna bring up a couple other addictive principles that sometimes we uh, forget about. On our younger population, I'm appealing to you right now. Okay, so talking- I'm talking not just to the Gen millennials, that I'm talking to to the Gen Zs and 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 even the what is the the generation below them? I forget what the next generation is called. Gen Y, I think it is. Um, so right now, forty percent, forty percent of the patients with COVID nineteen are ages twenty to fifty four. So this is we know the risk factors. We know the risk factors. Elderly diabetic, comorbidities, respiratory function problems, you know, asthma, et cetera, hypertension. 40% are 20 to 54. Of that 40%, half of them are ages 20 to 44. Wow. So it's not just an elderly disease. Wow. So that, and I mean, that's, that's what you hear about on the news. That's what you hear about. But again, people and all that. Again, the decisions that we make just as the head of the CDC told us right now is the time when we need to be improving our health. Right now is the time we need to be taking these principles that we're learning and take them seriously and put them into practice by the utilization of self-restraint or the old term temperance or self-control. Self-restraint is my preferred way. But I want to talk to again to this younger population. We talked about alcohol. We talked about, you know, you know what? I've been in this house. I can't take it anymore. It is springtime. I've got spring fever. Let's yeah. hit the 
A lot of people are that way. Are we seeing that happen? Are we seeing people hitting the beaches? Yeah, we are. And they're younger populations. Okay. So we're also seeing, you know, people are also turning to vaping, which they've already been doing. Again, this population, younger population, vaping, cannabis or marijuana. And of course, all population age groups are, you know, still unfortunately still utilizing smoking, tobacco, all of those, not just from a immuno effect, those vaping, smoking, cannabis, all of them affect this ciliary action, the thing that God gave us in our respiratory tract, these little hairs, if you will, that help to get the gunk out, pollution and different things. Well, vaping and smoking and cannabis affect that ability for those little hairs to bring up the toxins, if you will. It decreases the cough reflex. And so as a result, now there's an increased risk of the we also have the ACE2 receptors in the respiratory tract. So those lower respiratory tract function, then the patients can end up getting not just actually taking in the COVID-19 because the lining of the lung tissue is damaged, but, you know, we've talked, you know, you hear on the news, patients end up with pneumonia, so a bacterial pneumonia. And worst case scenario, a common cause of death is acute respiratory distress syndrome or ARDS. Again, if you utilize these substances, regardless of your age, you are at an increased risk of ARDS. So that would be one more reason that we want to use self-restraint or self-control to avoid these things that are really detrimental to us. So, Dr. Leela, I have a question, though, because I think a lot of people, I mean, actually, I still see a lot of people vaping. If you go around, you see it happening a lot. And I think the younger population, at least what I've heard some of them say, oh, you know, it's not smoking. You don't have that smoke, but that's kind of a, a dangerous thing to, to, to think, right? I mean, even though it's not smoke, it's still, still bad it's, for you. It's not just affecting the ciliary action and the coughing, which is exactly what smoking does. It also affects your immune system. So both of them, again, are affecting the innate immune system directly. Um, and worse yet, which is the point that we keep wanting to get back to, it affects the frontal lobe functioning. Okay, so let's talk again about this. It's, it's a cycle. We talked about it at the beginning of the program. It's both a positive cycle, like a clockwise positive cycle. I make positive healthy choices. My frontal lobe function works better, thereby I make more positive choices. Maybe I go to sleep at a better time. Maybe I eat more healthy. Maybe I start exercising, making my frontal lobe work better and around and around and around in a positive sense I go. Mm. The opposite is true. I vape, I don't sleep well. I take into my body alcohol, I take in, I don't exercise. My frontal lobe capacity, my frontal lobe functioning, the blood flow to my frontal lobe, and we have lots of research to show this, and one, one drink, as Dr. Zeno said, significantly infects, um, and same thing with tobacco, blood flow by MRI to the frontal lobe. So wow. we're going to go backwards, okay? And I dare say, even caffeine. Caffeine is a stimulant, and caffeine affects the frontal lobe with Whoa. small amounts, let alone large amounts. Now you're stepping on some toes. So this is science. This is, yeah. not, this is not a personal thing. So you are actually making detrimental choices. By making a detrimental choice, it affects your frontal lobe. And so by the next time I get a let's say an, uh, another topic comes up in my life, 
you know what? I'm under all this stress. I just, uh, I'm just going to watch television. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is until two o'clock in the morning. I've got to escape. I've got to escape. And now my frontal lobe functioning is worsening and worsening and around and negative and negative. And it's a vicious cycle backwards. So that is where we come to with this topic of self-restraint. We can either go forward by the grace of God, making healthier choices, helping to strengthen our frontal lobe and function better and make more positive choices, just like Solomon, the wisest man that ever said, ever lived, said to his son Lemuel, or we can go backwards and continue to make unwise decisions and more unwise decisions. So I guess the question, Pastor Kyle, is this, how do I get to the point where I can make those positive choices? Right. And that's my question for you. <laughs> well, that's that's a very deep and good question. And I think a lot of people are asking that. How do I get to that point? Um, well, I think the Bible tells us that we need to give our hearts to God. We need to allow him to transform our minds so that we can make the right choices, to trust him so that we can build that foundation. All of these principles that you've been talking about, that we've been talking about the last several weeks, like you said, it's all foundational principles that are helping people to make good decisions for their lives that will benefit them in the long run and in the short run to make better decisions. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I really, you know, I was just, you were just mentioning King Lemuel, Dr. Leela, and that, that verse from Proverbs 31 was actually opened up here in my Bible. And it's interesting because Solomon says, and this, of course, is talking about drink, but this could also apply to other things that people struggle with, vaping, um, cannabis, other types of addictions. But it says here in Proverbs 31 and verse 5, lest they drink, or maybe I could even add to that, lest they vape or do any of these other things, right? Or and, caffeine. Or <laughs> caffeine. And forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. So this idea, I think this is really what is key, what I'm getting from, to, to what I'm hearing from you, Dr. Leela. These things that we take into our bodies that affect our frontal lobe, which for those of you that this may be a new terminology, this is your decision-making part of your brain, right, Leela? Mm -hmm. This is where you make decisions. So if I take in these things, it actually affects my ability to make good decisions in That's my life. Correct. That's correct. Is that right? That's correct. And I dare add one more thing that we didn't mention, and that's sexual addiction, mm. technology addiction. We're seeing a surge, again, particularly in our Gen Zs um, and our even our Gen Xs, uh, but particularly our Gen Zs. These devices and, and various sexual addictions are becoming a major deterrent for our ability, for our mind to function, for our frontal lobe to function at its peak. That is so true. And I tell you, and it's, it's with, it's with you wherever you go. And, and, and people, it's just quick, you open it up and there it is. Even on social media, Dr. Leela, those things are right there. And it's so easy to get dragged into that. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are struggling and especially with the stay at home orders and being at home, it's probably even worse for a lot of people. So I just want to say to some of you out there that may be struggling with any of these things that maybe you're struggling with something um, through the sexual addictions, maybe you're struggling with something there, maybe you're struggling with the alcohol, or maybe you're struggling with something like vaping. God is able to help you with that struggle. 
God is able to help you make better decisions. We don't want to leave you hopeless today. We want to encourage you that God is able to help you to make positive decisions to make your life better so that you can have um, make better decisions and have a healthier frontal lobe. That's right. That's right. And, you know, it reminds me, Pastor Kyle, too. You know, there's a certain group of people um, that just before Jesus come back, that, you know, perhaps you could take our, our viewers to that, that have mm. his name written in their foreheads. The forehead, again, beneath the forehead is the frontal lobe, the place of decision making, the mm -hmm. place where choose, as we've said, for self-restraint, self-control, to follow, I dare say, God, because that's a choice. That's a choice for something that is the best good for our life, if you will. And it's interesting to me that the people that are look up and say, lo, this is our God, we have waited for him and he will save us, are the ones that have name or character written in their frontal lobe mm. that's profound don't you that, think pastor Kyle? that is very profound and um you know as we choose to follow these good principles as we choose to live our lives according to god's word he writes his character on our hearts in our minds and it literally changes the way we live and it can change your life too friend whatever it is you're struggling with out there today god is able to help you um, overcome and to have a better life we want to leave you with that encouragement we want to leave you with that promise. Um, I don't know if we have uh, anyone that has a question before we close today. You're welcome to send those in for us. But uh, Dr. Leela, I, I have been encouraged, and this has been very helpful information today for me personally um, on a number of fronts. The sleep, um, self-restraint, uh, being able to, to make better decisions, to, to live healthier. Those are all so important as we're going through this pandemic crisis. That's right. And keep looking up. Keep looking up because truly, truly our redemption, better things, our redemption, eternal redemption is getting closer. I do believe. Just want to uh, share with all of you um, just a couple of promises as we close today. A couple of promises that have been very uh, meaningful to my life. Uh, we just talked about uh, uh, overcoming and making good decisions. And, you know, God promises you, friend, that whatever you're struggling with, he's able to give you the strength to overcome. Um, I can give a personal testimony, testimony from my life that the Lord is able to do that for you. Whatever addiction, whatever trial you may be going through, whatever, if it's a substance or something online or something, God is able to help you. And I just want to give you this promise from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 as an encouragement to you, okay? It's, it's this, no temptation has overtaken you except as what is common to man. But God is faithful, Dr. Lee Litt says. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, will make the way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. So God gives us, right, Dr. Lee Litt? God gives us a way out right. of those bad situations we don't always have to choose to take that drink. We don't always have to choose to pick up that cigarette. We don't always have to choose to pick up that caffeinated drink. We can choose by God's grace to go a better direction, right? That's right. And, and, and to make decisions that will give us a healthy frontal lobe so we can follow Christ and, and make good decisions in our life. So 
I just want to encourage you guys with that. Whatever it is that you may be facing, no temptation um, is too strong for God to be able to get you out of that and to help you to overcome. Um, and my final promise for you today, as we've talked about a lot of things, um, but, you know, Dr. Leela, people are, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety. And I think that's what's driving people to a lot of these things, as you talked about, right? These, um, these self-medicating things. But you know what the true medication is? What we need, friend, right now, you and I, all of us, we don't need these bad things. We need the peace of Jesus. Jesus is the answer, Dr. Leela. He is the answer to our deepest needs. Whatever it is you're struggling with, friend, out there today, he is there for you and he wants to give you his peace that passes all understanding. Amen. So I just want to leave you with this promise because I know that some of you are struggling. I know you might be watching this and think, I don't know how I'm going to, maybe I'm, I'm not getting good sleep. Uh, maybe I'm struggling with alcohol or, or I'm struggling with pornography or whatever it might be. Listen, friend, whatever it is you're dealing with, God knows he's able to help you and he's there with you right now. And we're going to pray for you. But I want to leave you with this promise, this promise of encouragement. Jesus promises us in John 14, 27, what we truly need is his peace. And he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Not as, like, not as these things that just give us temporary happiness. No, Jesus wants to give you his peace that lasts forever. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. As you make these good decisions, God is going to give you the strength to get through and to live a healthy and happy life for him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Dr. Leela, um, I think maybe we should pray for those that are watching. Maybe we could have a special just prayer. And, and I... Good. I'd be honored if you would pray for everyone, all of our listeners, everyone that's been joining us for these past number of weeks. Maybe have a prayer of blessing and strength for them, that they will find their strength in the peace of Christ. Okay, let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, uh, we've learned a lot of principles over the last few weeks, and sometimes it seems a little overwhelming. We're lonely. We're sad. Many of us are in various forms of isolation. Um separated from other friends, maybe even family, from church, from our support system, from our jobs. Um, maybe we're finding ourselves or just different things that we know are not what you would have for us and that you have a better plan for us. You have you desire us to have life and have it more abundantly. And so we pray right now that you would give us the grace to step forward, to make the decisions, to have true self-control, self-restraint by your power, your grace alone, because we really do want to have your name written in our foreheads. Amen. We really do want to look up with great peace and say, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he truly has come to save us. Amen. So, um, again, we're just claiming your promise that he who is faithful will complete what you already started. So again, be with us, encourage us, give us strength. And until next week, um, we depend upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Leela. Beautiful prayer. And thank you for joining us, friend. May God bless you. And remember, you can always watch this program and all the past ones on our YouTube channel for Adventist World Radio. Until next week, 
May God bless you. And remember, God loves you.